All right, what's going on, everyone? This is Jake with Exodus. On this week's episode of the Land Podcast, we have a great conversation with Will Baker. Will is a captain in the U.S. Air Force, 28 years old, from Colorado, and he is part of the First Time Land Buyer series. And you get to hear about how he built a real estate portfolio of rental properties and is using those to basically pay for his piece of ground. Now, he did this on a very realistic income, and it sounds like this a lot of sweat equity work, homework, and uh, living below his means. So really cool story. He's actually closing on this 250-acre piece of dirt in Kansas the day this goes live. So congratulations to him. And if you'd like to share your story, feel free to reach out. You can send me an email at jhofer at exodusoutdoorgear.com or you can send me a message on Instagram at jakehofer. A lot of folks have been reaching out and it's been great because these conversations have been wonderful. So we hope you guys enjoy this episode. Real quick though, as always, a written review is fuel for this podcast. It is how this podcast reaches new people. It is extremely important. So if you guys enjoy this series or podcast or project, please leave a written review. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to get this piece, these pieces of content out. Things have been absolutely crazy, and uh, I definitely want to keep doing this. It's fun, but I just want to make sure that it's hitting its mark and reaching people that enjoy it. Also, there's the resource sign-up in the link tree links below in the description. You can go there, sign up for that, and I don't know if actually if I have any more Pat Porter books, so maybe I'll reach out to him, or we'll build together a deliverable um, with some great content in that. So if that's the case, you might give me a little bit of time on that. So anyways, that's it for now. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's go. All right. We are live. I have Will Baker here on the Zoom call. What's going on? Hey, Jake. How you doing, man? Good, good. So you listened to one of the past podcasts and you have some exciting things going on and about to close on your first piece here, like within the week. So yeah. hopefully when this is live, you'll, you'll have bought your first piece, but uh, tell everyone who you are in a few sentences and, and where you reside. Okay. So like Jake was saying, I was uh, working on a rental house and I heard the land podcast and I, uh, it was everything I had been looking for for like the last 10 years. And so I had to hit him up. So now we're uh, recording together and that it's awesome. Uh, my dreams coming true in about three to five days here when we close on a uh, farm in Kansas. And uh, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, grew up in Minnesota, and then came out to Colorado for school. Um, and then after I graduated, went active duty in the military. And I've been active duty for the last five years. And then on the side, I've just kind of bought homes, uh, had roommates, fixed them up, um, and rented them out. And um, it kind of started slow for the first couple of years. And then after a while, I bought another one, fixed that up, uh, would get them reappraised sometimes and then take that money and go buy another one. And just kind of the snowball effect took over. So mm -hmm. I never really made a ton of money, kind of like a lot of the guests that you've had on already. I, mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever made over like 80,000 a year. Um, but just kind of kept saving, reinvesting, kept saving, reinvesting. And then now, um, yeah, I'm going to close on like 250 acres in Kansas. In That's wild. So, and how old are I'm you? Pumped. I'm 28. That is a feat. <laughs> that's yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I had 
like most guys, I mean, grew up going hunting with my dad, stuff like that. Probably when I was like, I don't know, seven, eight years old, I was like, I got to own land. Like I could kind of see it. Like we, and it was more so like as I got older, mm-hmm. but it was just like more guys were hunting or new, new people started owning ground that we used to know the owners. And it was just like, every year you kind of had a couple spots that like no longer you could, you could go to. And I was just like, I got to get ahead of this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like eight, 10, 12 years old. I didn't have a penny in my pocket. <laughs> and I was like, I wanted to own a square mile, you know, or something like that. So that's kind of where it all started. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like the education piece of like how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that took a long time, which yeah. is why I'm happy you started this. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm excited. I just want to cut down the learning curve for people to buy their first piece and, and learn that if it's a goal of yours, it's way more attainable than you could ever imagine. Um, so would you say real estate is what kind of sets you up to be in this position to end up buying or, you know, closing on a 250? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I made, I kind of started like, like I was a saver as a kid, you know, like I'd go mow the lawn for 10 bucks. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the summer, I could buy like a PlayStation, Sure. <laughs> you yeah. know, but like, um, yeah, real estate, like I couldn't do it without real estate. I like if I put all my money, if I put 20% of my income in the stock market, I'd be doing well with the run that we've had the last five years, but I I've I've done a lot better in real estate just because you can, um, the, the stock market is so, um, there's buyers and sellers constantly. It's very, uh, it's tough to find a deal. I think, I mean, there's, there's sophisticated market. Yeah. I mean, there's the, we're at a disadvantage too, unless you're working down on wall street in New York. I think we're, most people are at a disadvantage, but if you're buying real estate in a local market where you have a competitive edge over others Mm -hmm. or whatever that competitive edge can be, you can beat the market, I would say. So, I mean, and when I started out, I didn't know, I didn't know much. I didn't even know how a mortgage worked. I mean, if, if I told you how I thought a mortgage worked before I bought my first house, you would, you would laugh your tail off, but what did you think? um, I so yeah. (laughs) So I thought I, and I should have just looked up a loan calculator, (laughs) but um, I thought you took the, the amount that you needed to buy the property with. And if you had like a 3% interest rate or 4% interest rate, I thought you just gave the bank like 12 grand right up front. And then you're good. And then you divide your payments over 360 payments. And uh, that's like, that's what I thought. And then we got the first mortgage bill and I was like, dang, this is a lot more than I thought. <laughs> and pretty quick, I was like, oh, okay. that That's how financing works. Got it. But like <laughs> all I knew going into my first property buy was that this house in this market, it was the best property we looked at. And we looked at like 40 homes. And it's in a market that is appreciating and appreciating pretty quickly. So, it, I mean, you can call it dumb luck. You can call it whatever you want. But the first one, after a year, our property appreciated, I don't know, maybe 5%, maybe 8%, pretty, pretty good. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like I bought it pre-COVID and post-COVID. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> um, but we just we lived with roommates in our first place. Um, instead of paying like twelve hundred bucks for an apartment, I paid like four hundred, four fifty, and then plus utilities. I mean, so I took if you look at like your budget, your biggest chunk of the pie usually is living expense. Mm-hmm. And I would take that and I shrunk that down to like, I mean, some months it was probably less than my gas bill, you know, for driving around town. So it was just like those little things to get ahead. And then you'd take that, that money and put it into the next one, stuff like that. So after we bought a place in Colorado Springs, I got stationed somewhere else, went out to Virginia. I bought the crappiest home on the best block I could find. Um, and that was a learning experience. I, (laughs) I don't want to say don't do it, but just be prepared. Um, because I, I mean, we did all right. I made a little bit of money, but, um, more than anything, I got an education on, Mm -hmm. on what, how much, how much work it takes. I mean, I probably had a couple thousand hours in this home over the course of the three years I was there. It was just way more work than you anticipated. By buying oh, it was the, a ton. The worst house. Like yeah. I thought I could go in and I could paint the interior of the house in seven to 10 days. And mm-hmm. like 14 days later, I had like the living room and the stairway painted. <laughs> and it was just, it was a lath and plaster mm. um, in the walls. So it would like, it would like soak in that yeah. paint. So I was, it was just like, <clears throat> yeah, it was, a, uh, it was like running on a treadmill and it's just getting away from you, you know? Yeah. So but it, I, it was just all those little things, you know, like I, I learned more in that, you know, a couple of years fixing the house than I probably did in college, like mm-hmm. four years of college, just, mm-hmm. so it was like, I was paying for an education, but I also came out all right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I did but that. Yeah. It sets you up for more deals down the road to know exactly. what to look for. Exactly. Yep. And, um, so I actually, we sold that house in Virginia. And then we came out to Colorado again for my next assignment and bought another place. Um, I was kind of over for a short time, like buying the worst house on the best block. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also, I found a house that I thought was undervalued in one of the better parts of town. So, and actually got it for a little bit under what they were asking, which in the last like two years is unheard of. Right. So I was happy with that. And then just turn, turn that into a couple more rentals in the Midwest. And I'd go out and whenever I had free time away from school, I'd be painting them or putting up light fixtures, new outlets, all sorts of new carpet, ripping out carpet, refinishing hardwood floors. So the whole time I was just, I didn't, I knew what the end goal was. Like it was to save up for that down payment. Um, but I, one thing I wanted is I didn't want to save up for that down payment and then not have some sort of asset to pay the mortgage, mm-hmm. which I think is like really important because you can save up for a down payment, but all of a sudden, if you have, you know, a thousand bucks a month that you've got to come up with every month after, that's that's no fun, you mm-hmm. know? So I wanted assets lined up that would help pay for them down the road so yeah. that's why I, I i've had to sell a couple properties but if i sold one i'd buy another one and just keep going but if i could i would refinance them with the bank 
at with that sweat equity value that I created. And then I'd use that money so that you still own your asset and that asset pays for, I don't want to call the farm that I'm getting a liability, but it, it does not produce an income at the mm-hmm. moment. So sure. Um, yeah. And, and so just to break that down for folks listening. So basically the goal was, okay, if you're buying this piece of dirt that doesn't produce income, you want to have other assets that are at least taking or chipping away at that, you know, annual or that monthly payment for the dirt. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I listen to different podcasts on investing and stuff like that. And it's always, you know, so-and-so wants a Tesla, so-and-so wants a sports car. And a lot of people will say, go buy something that will produce the income to pay that off. It's no different different than that. That's a Grant Cardone thing, isn't it? Yeah. I know. Grant Cardone, uh, Brandon Turner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And so for anyone that out there that doesn't know, I, I'm not familiar with the other guy, but uh, Grant Cardone is a, a 10X guy, real estate guy, giant rental Big personality. Big yeah, personality. Absolutely. And so his whole thing is if you're buying something that's a luxury purchase, make sure you have the assets to basically pay for it. And until then you can't afford it is kind exactly. of what it boils down to. So yeah. that makes sense. And I think it's tough, especially with land when it's not income producing, it's still appreciating and you can still go in and quote unquote, fix it up. Like if you buy an ugly piece of, of ground and make it more desirable, it's going to intrinsically increase the price. But in terms of cash flow, yeah, you're out of, you're out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the mindset going into that. I've, I've tried to buy different pieces throughout the years. And to be honest, it just, it was never quite the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and really it would, it all came down to, okay, I have the down payment now, but if I go buy another property, it sucks. I'm going to go back to zero or closer mm-hmm. to zero than where I am now, mm-hmm. but I can make that, that cash flow machine that I'm just doing on us on the side, start working for, for me for the long run because if you buy the farm first and you don't have anything to pay for it (laughs) that's a (laughs) a lot tougher to build that little atm in the backyard that's paying for it so for sure yeah i don't have the patience for that because i know that's (laughs) probably the right way to do it but i don't think realistically that's that's (laughs) that's what i'm gonna do (laughs) it's it's all good because if you know if you can there's other ways to make money you don't have to have a rental property you can work harder at your job you can get another job you can get a raise you can yeah. i mean there's tons of ways to do it but that's just yeah. the way my raises are you know i work program for the government so yeah. i know what i'm gonna make for the next yeah like you have the payment 10, schedule years. yeah yeah uh, yeah my girlfriend works for uh, the usda so i'm familiar like with the different lines and each year you you know how that works but yeah. the other thing that i would say on top of that is if you're if you have a solid solid emergency fund and you can weather a storm for a year um i'm a very uh, entrepreneurial person. And it's like, if I can't find a way to uh, pivot in some way to produce income in a year, then I need to take a hard look in the mirror because that's, that's plenty of time to adjust in my opinion. Yeah. So, absolutely. so talk a little bit about your rentals as well. Were they mostly like buy, hold or buy, fix up rent, or were you doing the cash out refinances, which you talked about a little bit, but yeah. So the first one we bought, it was just a nice home in Colorado Springs. It was the, I mean, we didn't, I didn't know. I learned about real estate investing after I bought the home. 
let me put it that way. So the first one, I all all me and my buddy knew is that we didn't want to pay rent, rent. to somebody. That's <laughs> yep. all we knew. And we're like, hey, Colorado Springs, like it grows every year. Like it's a good spot. You know, there's mountains spot, right yeah. out your back door. There's tons of things to do. So that's that's how it started. And honestly, if I would have known everything going in, and if somebody's listening to this and there's, you know, scared scared shitless mm-hmm. it it's okay like things are gonna work out you know you gotta know that but i didn't i didn't know anything going into it all i knew is that it'd be a good investment mm-hmm. and i didn't want to pay rent that was number one mm-hmm. so then i after that i started listening to like bigger pockets i started reading books i started started just educate myself podcasts all the time and uh, the first people we ran into were friends of ours who graduated the year after us, and they just kind of moved in. And then after that, um, then it was like go time because now I'm 24 and I'm a landlord and everybody I'm working with is like 10, 20 years older than me. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really a learning experience, but it worked out. And then I moved to Virginia and that one I flipped, I hate the word flip, but we just worked on it for years, the three years I was there, sold it. Mm-hmm. And I took that money and came back to Colorado and bought in an area I believed in. And then I bought a triplex with some of the revenue from that Virginia place. Um, and I haven't um, really done a whole lot to those properties. We put this bar in behind mm-hmm. me um, and some stuff like that. But um then I went. So, are you living in the triplex right now, or no? Or, okay. The triplex is uh, in Minnesota. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thirty thousand dollars for a triplex. All three? It, not a door? Not a door. <laughs> Thirty grand for the so whole thing. Ten G's a door. And um, no one wanted to buy it because it was ugly on the outside and it had issues. But it's like there's two people renting two out of the three units right now. So like there's people that are happy with where they're at. Mm-hmm. Like it it's ugly. It doesn't look good, but if you put in the work, it will look good. Mm-hmm. So I bought That's it. Nice. It was on the year the market for like a year and listed much higher and I was just like I'll give you 30 grand and it was mm-hmm. just the right time for them, the right time for me. So wow. I bought the triplex and then over the last since like January of this year bought three and close on another one in, um, the Midwest. So, awesome. but it, I, like I save money, like I try and save 15, 20% of my money, mm-hmm. but I try harder at investing. So I try harder to grow that, that revenue line, that top line, mm-hmm. you know, kind of try and look at my finances, like a business would like file a balance sheet, you know, and like, mm-hmm. where can I, where can I cut to save more? But really it's like, I'm trying to play offense just as much or more than I'm trying to play defense with my finances. So that's interesting. So how many doors do you own right now? Um, like seven, seven doors. Solid. Solid. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's been a, it's been a good <laughs> couple of years, but, it's yeah. just how, for me, it's like, how hard am I willing to work? Because there's a lot of properties out there. My wife's a realtor. Mm-hmm. 
people do not want to buy homes unless they can see themselves moving in the next day, putting in the couch, the TV, you know, just putting stuff away where it needs to be. They don't want to, a lot of people will say they want to buy a fixer upper. Let me tell you, they no, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> You're a realtor, you know it. Um, yeah. they, people love to move into new clean stuff. So there's a market there. If you're willing to put in the work, go buy the ugly home, put the new siding on it, paint the inside, you know, do mm. some landscaping. And all, all things, a, all things that anyone can do, even if they're not handy, everyone can paint, everyone, everyone can landscape. Can <laughs> now there's, there's, <laughs> I, I will bring people in sometimes or have somebody work for me and not everyone knows how to paint, but it's pretty easy to figure it out. You sure. know, if you care enough, you can learn how to rip out carpet. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just a brute force thing. It's mm-hmm. ugly and nasty, but it, you know, it pays for itself. Yeah. If you're willing to do it. Yeah. It all comes down to having the initiative to, to do it is really what it comes down to. Uh, Yeah. So that's cool. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the 250 that you're hopefully will have closed on by the time this goes live. So it sounded like you looked for quite a few years then, or you're at least kind of window shopping. I I window shopped when like whitetail properties came out, you know, Uh and kind of like segmented themselves in, in the Mm -hmm. recreational market. I just thought it was like the coolest thing. I was like, this is what I've always like, there should be one of these, you know, sites <laughs> and then, you know, land pros and all those guys. Yeah. But, um, I've looked for ever since I was like, I don't know, 12 years old, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it was just a dream. It was always a dream. And then once I got older, it was like, okay, how do I make that come true? Um, but yeah, so I've looked for years and I put in offers on different places, but I was always just off by a little bit. And I was, it was probably more like psychological than anything. It was like, I know I'm not totally ready. Like mm-hmm. I need, I need some other assets and investments before I go buy something that it has just been a, a pipe dream. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I looked, I started looking kind of seriously over the last year once, you know, just, it was a good year to own real estate, just straight up um Mm -hmm. so i started looking i thought i could maybe make something work and i i kind of grew up my dad and his uncle or his brother and my uncle you know they'd own like a 40 and i just wanted something a little bigger Mm -hmm. so that you could bring people down and it wouldn't feel congested and stuff like that so I wanted something. a 250 should do that. Then. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I've walked it now like four or five times. And every time there's like something, there's 20 acres that I didn't see before. And mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah, but the it's, um it's down in Southeast Kansas. So it's in a good, it's in a good area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it, it borders Oklahoma on the Southern side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a number seven kind of, mm-hmm. so it's like an L or whatever flipped upside down, but mm-hmm. it's like 180 acres up top. And then there's like an 80 acre chunk plus or minus that runs straight South. Mm-hmm. And it's got some elevation changes. It's kind of like, uh, it's got some like, uh, kind of like what you would think of Kansas. Like it's got some meadowy areas, but then it's got a bunch of like brush oak and cedar thickets and, it's got three ponds on it. Wow! It's got a, a river system that kind of runs through the south end of the property. And then 
one of the ponds kind of drains out or trickles out and up in the northern end of the property. But yeah, that's that's cool. So tell us, how did you find that deal? So I started (laughs) just like with homes. I'm always trying to find like, I'm trying to find something that somebody isn't looking at Mm -hmm. in a certain way or something that's discounted or something like that. So I found it on, I found a different farm actually. I found a different farm. It had one picture. It was right around the same acreage and it was right around the same price. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was in this, the same area. So I went to look at that farm because I thought this is going to be the one. Um, but as I was driving there, I was like, I'm going to look up some other farms in the area and maybe check them out while I drive all yeah, the way out there. there. Yeah. Yeah. So the farm I thought was going to be the one it was, right on a paved road, kind of going into a busy town, just didn't really, that piece I just didn't like. I kind of wanted one that was on the end of a dead end road. Mm -hmm. And so as I was coming back, I stopped by this farm and it, it just looked like what I, what I thought I wanted. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was actually listed by Whitetail Properties. Mm -hmm. I, I always loved looking at their site and how they, they put everything out there, but, um, I never thought I'd buy from them because they do get premium for their ground. Yeah. Um, But this one, it didn't, it had been mined, not mined, but they were taking oil off of it years and years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so it didn't come with all of the mineral rights. So I got, I got my discount, I guess that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with the realtor and he's like, you know, a lot of guys, they don't, they don't want to buy it if it doesn't come with a hundred percent of the mineral rights. But mm-hmm. I just look at it going forward. Like I'm not, I'm not looking to make oil money off of it. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of the oil money in our country or at least that part of the country has kind of been taken out. Already extracted. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if this place had all the mineral rights, but it had already been, um, all that oil has been taken out. Like what's the point? So mm-hmm. I'm getting a discount a little bit. Um, and then it's, I mean, it's going to be a wreck, wreck piece. It's going to yeah. be a white tail farm. So, yeah, but that's what you wanted. I mean, that was your goal. I mean, you, you already have, I think what's interesting is you already have the assets that are helping chip away at this payment. And even though it's a wreck piece, it still appreciates. It might not appreciate as fast as, you know, straight tillable. Might not yeah, appreciate it's not as... straight tillable up yeah. there in Illinois where you're at. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, I can't afford any. I couldn't afford a naked. Oh, that man, that stuff is crazy right now. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's still, it'll still appreciate over time, but then you get to enjoy it too. If you said I had to, if I got, you know, if I had to pay for, I'm trying to say it as in, let's say, instead of it appreciating it at 10% or 9%, uh, what you could get elsewhere and it appreciates at 6%, I would pay 3% to go hunt it and enjoy it. <laughs> so it, yeah. it kind of offsets. I, here's the thing. I mean, if I asked, so I asked a realtor, I was like, what have land prices been doing in this area over the last 10, 20 years? Mm-hmm. And he said, you could have bought this ground 20 years ago for 400 bucks an acre. Yeah. So go in your compound interest calculator. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I paid just under right around 1600 an acre. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm not, I'm not expecting it to four X over the next 20 years, but if mm-hmm. it doubles in 20 years, or if it goes up 3% a year, 
it's paying off my interest rate. Mm-hmm. If it just did 3% a year, mm-hmm. I'm paying basically no interest. So I'm just putting money in my piggy bank, you know, mm-hmm. at that point. And even if it doesn't appreciate at all, that's not number one, why I bought it, you sure. know, but I do think history is probably going to repeat itself. There's more people in this country every year. There's people that always want to own land. Mm-hmm. It's like, I would say it's the American dream is to own your own little piece of the earth. But yeah, I totally agree um, with that. So, yeah, I mean, I bought it as an investment, but also it was a selfish like, There's emotion in it. purchase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's emotion. So you said the realtor said it was worth probably 450 20 years ago. An acre? Yeah. He's like, right. guys are buying ground in the four or 500 range 20 mm-hmm. years ago. All right. I'm just Which gonna... just, it, it makes me sick. Uh huh. But it's also like, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as I missed the boat or, hey, let's do it now. Is, it's going to, you know, we're again. going up, you know. So, yeah. So, and you're, what are you, you're at 16 an acre? Yeah. Just okay. under that. Okay. So, perfect. So, in this compound interest calculator, $450 is the initial quote unquote investment length of time, 20 years estimated interest rate. I put six and a half comes out to $1,585 an acre. So that's right there at six and a half percent, which is yeah. you talk to most, if you talk to like any, like an Edward Jones person, like, well, we'll get you 7%. Like you can get 10, 11, 12 in an ETF. Imagine, <laughs> imagine earning six, seven, eight percent on a piece of hunting ground. It, I yeah. mean, that'd be the, the dream. And I, you don't know what it's going to do, but no. if history repeats itself yeah, over got, the last couple thousand years, hundred years. I mean, it's, yeah, that's what it's going to do. So, yeah. So for, and I would say, you know, between five and seven is probably pretty realistic and depends on what part of the country it is too. I mean, there's, there's areas that grow faster. There's areas that die out, but, um, yeah. That's certainly, that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm happy for you. That's awesome. So as, so did you, you did not have a buyer. Well, did your wife represent you as a buyer's agent on this or she probably doesn't have she a Kansas license. Not. She's yeah. not licensed in Kansas and, um, the she's licensed in Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. but she, uh, I didn't, I've bought a lot of homes. I haven't bought much dirt, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and she, she's in the same boat. So, I, um, I did though, this could be a tip for some of the listeners. I didn't go with a buyer's agent mm-hmm. and it, it can go both ways. Right. I think there's a lot of value in a buyer's agent, mm-hmm. like a ton, a good realtor. I say this all the time. A good realtor is worth their weight in gold. They can mm-hmm. make you so much more money than you have to pay them. And on the buy side, you, you don't have to pay them. Yep. Um, but on the sell side, they also worth their weight in gold if they're good. Yep. Um, but I didn't do that because I knew my offer was going to be under Mm -hmm. on this piece. And what I wanted to do, I wanted to tell the realtor, you know, this is what I can do. I mean, I know you want to make, you're going to make 3% representing your seller. Mm -hmm. If, if you don't make 3% representing me, maybe you make two and he gets 1% back. Mm -hmm. um, to make our numbers closer. Like maybe that works. I don't want to tell you to take a, a cut to your commission because that's how, yeah, that's what you agree on. Yeah. And I know how much work goes into selling or getting a deal to the closing table. Yeah. It is 
it's so much more than people realize. And so I don't want to cut them out, but I do want to give them the opportunity to represent both sides and make 5% instead make of- Make a deal happen. Yeah, sure. Yeah, or for, you know, whatever it comes out to. So yeah, that's what I did. And I'm not saying it's for everyone because I definitely think I could have had- it would have been nice to have somebody like completely in my corner and mm-hmm. like telling me things that I didn't know or cause it is my first land purchase, but yeah, um, I was kind of comfortable enough with real estate through buying homes for different, you know, for assets mm-hmm. that I was, I felt comfortable enough doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, it's accurate. And as a broker myself, I cringe at the advice because I know, I know, like, I know, I know, (laughs) but it's, it's useful information. And I mean, that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. And uh, there's been times there's a deal that I did and uh, it was in a lake community and we were very close. And I asked the selling agent, I said, Hey, like we're very close to getting the deal done. I'm willing to do X. Will you match it? Nope. Yeah. Nope. I, I that's my, you know, like he said, this is what I do for a living. I can't do it. I still did it because I was like, let's just get the deal done. Um, and you know, I, like a good broker, it's the long, you know, I hope this client will refer me, will offer, you know, will buy or sell again in the future. And that's how I look at it on a 10 yeah. year scope, not a one month scope or a one deal scope, but, yeah. um, it's definitely useful information. And I'll just reiterate this one more time because I, I totally understand why you cringe at it a good realtor (laughs) is worth their weight in gold. Like for your clients, you're going to know a properties before anybody else does. Yep. And there's a lot of weight in that and getting a deal slid over to somebody before they go, Hey, we're going to go to auction. Hey, we're going to list it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's huge. Or, Hey, nobody wants this piece because it doesn't have X, but this piece has, giants running around on it or you didn't know that there's 20 acres of crp that you that nobody else knows about or it's not marketed right or Mm -hmm. there's so there's so much that a good realtor can bring to the table yeah i agree yeah and that's i think it's important to work with a a legitimate local expert as well if i i know a lot of agents cover a lot of distance i don't because i don't know those other areas i don't know the locals i don't know so that's the other thing too is finding someone that does a lot of deals in a small, tight part of the map. Uh, yep. I, I think that's key, but okay. So what were some of the biggest factors as you were shopping for peace? Was it um, trophy quality price proximity to your house or where you live, where you want to be? <laughs> I have a long drive to this place. I'm not going to lie. It's about an eight hour jaunt, Whew. but like I said, I'm active duty military I, they can tell me to go just about anywhere in the world in like 60 days. So mm-hmm. it's, I was never going to have that piece. that's like 20 minutes down the road from mom and dad's mm-hmm. or from where you grew up now, someday, maybe, but like you've talked about with tons of different guests you've had on buy now, it's all about time in the market, not time in the market. And then you can use that piece later to buy something else. So mm-hmm. if this piece works out and it's everything I wanted, I'll keep it forever. But if not, or if something else better comes up, then I can take that and use it to mm-hmm. buy the next one. Yeah. Sell it, go buy a new piece or keep it or borrow, you know, have the note paid down and use it yeah. equity to buy a place. So, close to your that, so the driving thing, it, it is what it is. Um, but I wanted it in a, 
kind of a, a whitetail hot spot, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. so I was looking the eastern half of Kansas, um, the northern half of Missouri, the pretty much the entire state of Iowa, mm-hmm. um, and into like the bluff country of Wisconsin and like kind of the southeast Minnesota area. Mm-hmm. Um, Big area. And, <laughs> yeah, area. Huge, <laughs> huge area, but it was nice because then it can be about price, Mm -hmm. you know, like it for, for me, like I said, the location, it was more about being in a good whitetail spot and the drive thing. It is what it is because Mm -hmm. I got to be moved around. So that was a factor. Obviously price is a factor. Um, and size, I wanted something, I really wanted something 80 or bigger mm-hmm. and kind of, and then the other factor was I wanted something where when I look at neighboring properties, like do would I want to buy a neighbor's property? Down sure. The road? That's great. Like, That's a great point. Yeah. Cause you start, you get in there and you're like, ah, oh, it would be nice if I could get that. Um, yeah. And to know, like I didn't, I didn't really want to buy something if there was like, I don't know, like just straight grassland buy mm-hmm. it or, um, I don't know, just tillable around. I mean, I guess a 250 acre piece of grass and woods would have been pretty good if it was all surrounded by tillable, but I was looking for, I wanted to be in a neighborhood where it's like, dang, I'd like to own that 80 next to me someday or the mm-hmm. 160 across the road or and piece something so, together. Yeah. And if you, um, have you had Bill Winky on? No, no, I, okay. uh, I would love to. Someday you will. <laughs> someday you will. Yeah. But if, he um when he left Midwest Whitetail last year, he wrote he started a blog. Yeah, a I've read I've read it. Yeah. If you for anybody listening, if you read his blog about how he put his farm together, it is the most interesting read I've ever. It's <laughs> it's incredible the things that this guy was doing. I mean, he was grinding and betting everything and just nose to the grindstone. But mm-hmm. that that was like okay. That was like outside of this podcast, that was the first thing where it's like, how do you buy land if you're a normal person, you yeah. know? Um, but that was a great read. But that's why I say I kind of look from an aerial view, like, man, it'd be sweet to own that draw over there that, you know, funnels down into off the, all these ridges and stuff. So I was looking at a piece like that, or that was kind of one of my criteria. And other than that, I mean, it was price this yeah price entry price and price and size and the, the layout of the actual ground i mean there's yeah. a lot of freedom by having that big of an area to look to it personally if i i would like to keep things close to where i'm at i mean this is i mean i i'm not in the military i don't travel a bunch so that was my thing uh, of wanting to try to keep things close but there's a lot of freedom with that oh uh, yeah if you don't care about being in a specific county i mean it's, it really frees you up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can understand if I, you know, if I never left my hometown, I would want to own a piece, you know, within 30 minutes of that, that spot, you know, Mm -hmm. but the military kind of, uh, kind of kicks your butt into being okay with moving around. I mean, I've, yeah. Yeah. So that, that triplex you bought in Minnesota, was that close to where you're from originally? Or is that just another place in Minnesota? Yeah. So, competitive advantages right so it was in the town one of i moved when i was a uh in high school but Mm -hmm. it was in the town where i graduated from and i 
knew where it was. It was on a good street right off of main street and the competitive advantage is my, I still have family and friends that live there. So mm-hmm. I, I can be okay with owning something that I don't live in the same town of. And Cause you have, have eyes on it still yeah. watch over it or do work to it or stuff like that. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Got it. Okay. And then, so I'm just working. <clears throat> so you, I think you would probably have some interesting bank advice as well from all the different financing you've done uh, with the different rental properties. And obviously this property as well, is there any insight or things that you learned from not knowing anything about mortgages to where you are today? Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like I could have my mortgage license by now. <laughs> yeah. um, small local banks. You hear it all the time. Uh, my real estate investing portion or side hustle went 10x once I started working with small local banks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and why is that? Or how? I, it's, it's, they, they make things easier. You know, they don't, once I do one loan with them, I don't need to provide 25 documents with them for the second, third, fourth. I can call them up and say, Hey, we just put $20,000 into this property. I'd like to reappraise it um, and refinance it. Okay, cool. We'll have our reappraiser out there next week. Click. I mean, that doesn't happen when you are working with Rocket Mortgage. Yeah. You don't have a line to the the bank president or anything like that. So we just called around. We told people what we wanted to do. We said, hey, we're buying investment properties. We're going to buy three to six this year. Would you like to, hey, you know, and I had a couple people call me back and they're like, Hey, farmers are killing it right now. They're paying off every piece of debt they have. We'd love your business. And so when I got that call, I was like, sweet, this guy wants to work with me, mm-hmm. you know? So small local banks, that's big. Um, I'm not afraid to refinance a property. A lot of people say, you know, you should never refinance property or you should never take money out of a property. And I understand that. But if I take money out of a property to go buy another asset, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because I like having debt on assets or income producing assets. That's the name of the game, in mm-hmm. my opinion, to, to building, building equity, building wealth, building you know financial freedom. Now, if, you t- if you're refinancing your property to go buy a new truck, I would have some different <laughs> words for you. Sure. You know, but if you're going to buy an asset, an income producing asset, I would, I would refinance all the time. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Small local banks. It's cheaper to refinance. I'm sure. Yeah. They don't charge that much. I mean, I refinanced a house, maybe cost me a thousand bucks. If I refinance a different place through, you know, one of the big lenders, uh, uh, Wells Fargo, it's going to cost me five grand plus, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, and that is definitely a theme that with everyone we've talked to is getting to know your local bank or a bank that does business in that area. Um, yeah. there's a bank with me, they single branch bank, super good, you know, relationship with them. I can text, text the guy I need to yeah, talk to on the it's weekend. Incredible. Like, you're not texting the CEO of rocket mortgage. You're not doing it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, so yeah, with those and they're funded just as well or better than than those guys, you mm-hmm. know. And they have a lot of times they have less um, 
stringent requirements, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't know. I mean, you should be, if you want to do this, you have to be bankable. Like there's no way around it. You got to pay off your credit cards. You got to pay loans. You got to have some money in the bank, but one, you know, like as long as you meet kind of the, the basic requirements, they have a lot of leniency on what they can do, mm-hmm. which the big banks do not. Correct. Yeah, that's that's key. So let me ask you this. So someone that's listening to this, they're trying to gear up to buy their first piece of ground. What advice would you give them? Oh, man. Um, uh, save, save save your money. I, I went the, I'm going to buy some assets that can pay this off route, mm-hmm. pay, the, pay this property off. And as much as somebody who's looking at, you know, they need to come up with an $80,000 or $20,000, whatever it is, down payment, telling them to save that money and then go buy something that they, you know, that isn't gonna, and it can be anything, but you could build a, build a small business, do Mm -hmm. something on the side. It doesn't have to be a rental property, but I would say, unless you're making a ton of money, which I don't think this podcast is for those people. Mm -hmm. Um, I would try and buy an asset that can pay off your, your ground Mm -hmm. or, um, I mean, the other alternative is to just manage your money really well or Mm -hmm. to make a ton of it which those are your three options pretty much. Yeah. I mean, those are your options. So you can, you can save and save and save. And that, that works. Um, it's, I would say it's a little more painful if you do it up front. My, my homes are going to pay off this property. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's nice because I don't have to touch other income streams. I don't have to feel that monthly pain you know, I mean, I'll feel it a little bit because I'm not going to have as much rental income that all that's kind of going to the farm for a little bit. But mm-hmm. I can take the money that I was already earning through my military salary and I can kind of build another nest egg on the side or I can go still go buy more properties and I won't feel it down the line, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be that would be my take. But for me, it was like it was an education thing. I didn't get a financial education. I got a business degree from a really good school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't, I mean, I got a little bit at home, you know, Hey, save your money, 10% in the bank every month, yada, Mm -hmm. yada. But when it comes to like growing money investments, I didn't get a whole lot of that growing up or, and I mean, I got some of it, you know, my dad, he's a landowner. He's got some farmland and stuff like that. My parents Mm -hmm. owned homes, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have rental homes or stuff like that. So all of that I found through the desire to own land. And it was like, how can I do it? Mm-hmm. How can I do it? I'm never, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm never going to make a certain amount of money, but I knew for a while, I'm not going to make 200,000 a year. You know, I'm not going to make the money that some people make to just go and buy it mm-hmm. and not worry about it. So financial education, I mean, three books I read, I read uh, Millionaire Next Door. I read a book by Scott Trench. He's the CEO now of Bigger Pockets called Set for Life. Mm-hmm. And then Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you read those three books, you'll have a better financial education than 95% yeah. of the U.S. population, I would say. Mm-hmm. So 
And, and it'll get you thinking different about money. It'll get yeah. you diff- thinking different about going out and buying a vehicle or should I buy a used one or mm-hmm. do I need to live in a $2,000 apartment in downtown or can I live with a buddy and, you know, so um, that, that was a big thing for me. And that's what I would tell somebody is the more you can educate yourself financially, the easier this thing is going to be to attain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those books are all written for anyone to read and understand. They're oh, very, they're very basic fifth grade level. Yeah. You know, yeah. they so should don't, be, don't get intimidated in by school. It. Yeah. Honestly. But. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So that's, that's definitely good advice. And I'm glad you brought up that book list. Cause I, um, I've read two of the three, so, um, definitely, uh, which one haven't you read set for life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that a great book. I, I read that book. I went in, I sold my truck the next day. <laughs> I, well, I mean, that's how motivated it had me, you know, that's great. I sold my truck, bought a bike. And then <laughs> a few weeks later, I was like, I can't bike to work every day. So, <laughs> so um, you go buy a car. So yeah, I went and bought like an old forerunner for five grand, but nice. Um, yeah. Anyways, go read the books. They're yeah. great. Um, that's the one thing I think with anyone that's trying to get into land too, I think vehicles is the biggest culprit of making it happen. Uh, whether yeah. it's the actual cash or the payment and then your debt to income is, you know, not where it needs to be to, to borrow, to buy a piece of ground. Yeah. Hold on. You, you're <laughs> a big, uh, loan calculator guy. Oh yeah. Pull up what a $60,000 truck cost you 60. Yeah. Uh, we'll say 4% on a five-year note. Calculate. I'm glad someone else is doing some calculations here. <laughs> that payment, monthly payment is 1100 bucks. Yeah, which is probably... $60,000 truck. Yeah, which... That's, uh, that's like the mortgage payment for this property I'm buying. Yeah. After my down payment, like mm-hmm. it's, it's not like I needed people like the people you've had on this podcast to like jam this in my ear. But like, if you make different decisions in those daily housing vehicles, it's attainable. Like it's so attainable. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to look back in five, 10, 15, 20 years and be like, dang, land was cheap. <laughs> That's you know? the thing. Yeah. And so, you know, like if you look at something like, for I, I messed it up on the it's I want to say if you get a seven percent return it takes ten years to double. So yeah, that's you, about right. Yeah. So then if you look at that ground in Kansas six and a half. So then it, you know whatever that calculates out to maybe twelve years. It's like of course land's going to be cheap when you look at it in hindsight because it, it's you know yeah. if you look at even what the S and P five hundred does you know like if it's getting that ten percent and it's doubling however fast people don't watch it that closely like the ever, but people can remember, Oh, so-and-so's farm right up the road sold for this. And now it just sold for this 20 years later. And it's so much more comprehensible for them, but that same stuff's happening everywhere and so many other things. And then the, like the trucks, all those go down in value drastically too. Yeah. You can about, <laughs> unless you bought it in uh, like 2020, I mean, every right. <laughs> year other than the last one they've uh, depreciated. So Yeah. I mean, and I drive, I drive a nice truck, but I bought it used for 20,000 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, and the, I already had $30,000 in value, mm-hmm. if you can call it that driven out of it, you know, mm-hmm. in the three first three years. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't drive complete shit boxes anymore, but 
Um, I did. I did for a long time. <laughs> I don't yeah. anymore, but yeah, that's, you have to make sacrifices and it's easy for me to say, cause I know everyone has different challenges in their life and different, different things. So it's, I'm not here to, you know, now you know though life. what it's costing you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you, you can't claim ignorance anymore. <laughs> yeah. You can't, once you listen to this, you can't, you can't <laughs> say I didn't know. Yep. For but. sure. And then if you look at how much, um, if I had time to think about it, but if you look at how much borrowing power you lose from that amount too. Oh, for the, yeah. Your debt so. to income just tanks. Yep. Um, so. one thing uh, I would say to who you marry and the conversations you have play a big role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got married, I told my wife two things. I'm going to be busy in the fall <laughs> and one day I'm going to buy a piece of hunting land. Uh-huh. And she said, I hope it's in Iowa. <laughs> I said, me too. Me? <laughs> That's <laughs> and, cool. uh, I was like, well, honey, it's a, that is some pricey land right now. And someday I'd love to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my wife's been awesome. You know, mm-hmm. she had, we had some student loan debt and we were looking at wedding rings and she's like, you know, I'm good. Let's pay off that debt first. Mm-hmm. So, That's awesome. you know, like not, not everyone I'm not saying you need to go find a, a gal that's going to be cool with not getting a wedding ring, but, um, you know, she was cool with sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. she was cool with delayed gratification, stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the one I naturally between Exodus and, uh, with real estate, I get to talk to a lot of successful people that started with, you know, not a silver spoon. And the commonality of what all of them say is like, marry wisely, like have someone that's going to support you and, you know, work with you. And the other ones is yeah. work your face off. So that's pretty much yeah. the, the two things that I've constantly have heard. Yeah. And I mean, in our, in the U S we don't get a financial education. Probably the, the best financial education is if you go get your CPA license at college. But other than that, you don't, you don't get it. You don't really get it at, most people don't get it at home when they're growing up. Most people don't get it in college, even if you go to college. And I mean, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I'm not, there's people out there that spend money like crazy and don't, they just don't know what they're doing. You know, Mm -hmm. if they're making money, why can't I spend it? So, I mean, me and my wife, we read some financial books, like right when we got married or as we were leading up to it. And like, we were on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was big because I knew things I wanted to do in life. It was going to take financial sacrifice, financial delayed gratification, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And she was down with it, you know, and I'm sure. not saying there's, there's not tons of people <laughs> running around that are, you know, saving all their money, or, not all of it, but, you know, saving money and investing. And, but a lot of times it's just an education thing more mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, fantastic advice and all the information's out there. So if you want to find it, you can definitely uh, learn whatever you want. So let me ask you this. So what was, was there any common myths as you've gone through the purchase process on this? Was there any myths that you found along the way with buying a piece of wreck piece, you know, a wreck piece of ground? Um, so <laughs> I don't know about myths, but as I've been walking the property, uh, the like Jeff Sergis's of the world kind of, <laughs> yeah. I can hear them in my ear. Um, the Dan Perez, yeah. I'd rather own the the perfect 40 over like the, you know, the 250. Yeah. And I, 
I didn't want it. I didn't want a 40 acre piece. Cause I knew I'd have my brother down there, my dad. I mean, mm-hmm. my brother, he's going to be a, a minority owner in the place as uh-huh. well. But, um, I just wanted something bigger and there is a lot of weight though in that. Um, because as I look around this piece, there's like project after project after project that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or otherwise it's going to get out of hand. You know, there's pockets of timber I need to take out. There's pine groves that are too overgrown. Um, you know, we've got Grant Woods in my ear, get rid of the cedar thickets, burn them down. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, there's just a lot of work. So I would say if you're like me and you wanted like this big massive property or as big as you could afford maybe listen to some of the professionals out there that are like (laughs) hey it's 40 acres it's got this it's got the best ditch running through it in the county that has huge deer coming through Mm -hmm. it every year and it costs one fourth of what this one does because it's not 160 acres yeah and it's you know the taxes are cheaper and so there's a lot of weight in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark Drury said he'd rather own farms scattered around the country than just one big one. So mm-hmm. I kind of, sometimes I have to learn my lesson before I just listen to people's advice sometimes, but, um, you know, it just wasn't what I wanted. Sure. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that is good advice because as you have more land, more problems, <laughs> you're going to have, exactly. uh, you know, more projects and there's expenditures more in that to put too. in more switch grass, more trees <laughs> to cut. It's yeah. But, um, I mean, you, you know what your goals were and that's, I mean, you had, at the end of the yeah. day, uh, you know, follow through with what you want. Exactly. So let me ask you this, and this is, I always like to try to close with this, but will this be the last piece of land that you think you'll be buying? Um, my wife would probably thinks it is. Um, (laughs) I think like we talked about, if I love this piece, if it's everything I wanted, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to try and buy the piece next to it and the piece next to that and, and whatever I can afford and what, you know, um, but if it's not something I like, then I'm going to use it to go buy something else um, somewhere else. So no. I don't, I don't think so. I, uh, yeah, I like buying real estate. No, I mean, there's no, there's no, clearly. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, so, man. Well, I'm super excited for you. So you're supposed to close on this Friday. Yeah, uh, so Friday I send in the signed documents sure. and the bank is, uh, sending over the, the check and I'm sending them my down payment. So mm-hmm. Friday, it'll be pretty much wrapped up and Monday it's, it's supposed to be the close date. So is your, did your local bank lend on this piece? Or uh, to go somewhere else? Sort of. Yeah. We used, uh, they, they wouldn't do it in like a traditional way. So we had to put up some local collateral. Mm. Um, but I'm just, I'm just paying that off. Sure. So yeah, it was a local bank. Um, I forget who you had on a couple of weeks ago, but they talked about a bank in Kansas. It was, uh, Oh yeah. Um, uh, gosh. He, I, yeah. I, it was uh, two weeks ago. Uh, same catcher side. Farmers I something. Farmers I union, farmers credit union. Yeah. It was a, it was a credit yeah. union, but, yeah. um, I'm working with them and mm-hmm. I'll probably just take that. I'm not going to refinance it for anything like that, but I'll probably end up taking that over to them. 
because mm-hmm. I've been working with them a little bit and they've been outstanding. But again, awesome. another small local bank in that area. Mm-hmm. This is just one that we've done a lot more with up until now. So awesome. That's great. Well, I'm certainly excited for you. It's so cool to hear uh, your story, how you leveraged you know, some real estate into more real estate. And then obviously you said before we started recording, but like turning your dreams into passive income and real estate, meaning uh, you're buying this, it's going to continue to appreciate and uh, you're using those other assets. Yeah. It, uh, it only took me 20 years to figure out how to do it. So, (laughs) well, if people (laughs) listen to this, they just cut a few years off for sure. Yeah. You can cut a lot of years (laughs) off. I mean, I, I was dreaming since I was eight years old. I'm 28 now. And, uh, should have it done here in a day or two. So cool. Yeah. I mean, it, the one thing I would say is it's a mindset thing. Mm -hmm. I have so many people tell me, Oh, you you can't buy that. You don't, you're 28. You can't afford this. You can't afford if you manage your money, right. Over a couple of years, um, you can do anything you want. I mean, Mm -hmm. the, the limits are, I mean, it's wherever you set them in your own mind. Self-governed. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you think you can do it, you can do it. And if you think you can't, you can't. You know, it's mm-hmm. just there's so many. Yeah. The mindset of money is a big thing. So for sure. Yeah. Well, anyone listening to this, you have to pick up some of those books and at least try to read one of the three. And I think uh, all of them, I'm taking your word on the middle one uh, from the bigger pockets, but the I know the, the other two are I good. I mean, you've already read. <laughs> two really good ones. <laughs> for um, sure. but like if somebody picked up set for life for the first time, it, I mean, it'll change your life. It was one mm-hmm. of the first books I read. Um, yeah, I, but any of those three, at least read one of them. And if you can read all three of them, cause yeah, I'll you're going to have 60 bucks worth of books and it'll, it'll pay for itself in mm-hmm. about a month. I'm Trust ordering, me. I'm ordering that book right now, set for life right okay. now on Amazon. So I'll read it. Yeah. I'll it's a good one for it. Awesome. But yeah, thanks for having me on, Jake. Like yeah. I said, I was sitting there grinding, sweating, <laughs> painting a rental house, and I found your podcast. And That's I was so cool. like, I need to message this guy because if I don't do it, I'll never do it. Uh-huh. And this was exactly what I was looking for for the last, at least the last five years. It's like, how sure. can I do this? So mm-hmm. I hope I provide some value. And um, if anybody has questions, they can reach out or yeah. But uh, yeah. Plug your, plug your Instagram so people can find you oh, um, if you shoot. want. What is it? It is Willie Bake. One word. W i l l i e b a k e. Yeah. Just send me a DM if you've got a question or yeah, want to run a plan by me or how you think you can do it or yeah, or how to get your first uh, rental property or yeah, look how for your first rental. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to help anybody with that. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. Pre-congratulations and uh, look forward to, I'm about to see it. What, uh, what, what kind of bucks you guys put down on the new parcel this year? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We just awesome. got some cameras out. So it's, it's fun. It's like Christmas morning every day. Dude. But, yeah. Heck yeah. Awesome. And congrats to you on a, I mean, you are grinding <laughs> a realtor, a podcaster, business podcast, owner, yeah, business it's, owner, marketing I, director, I just feel lucky every single, I, I hate to be like the cliche. I feel lucky because there's other people like I couldn't work as much as you, but it's like, this is what when I you live like for. What you're working on. Yeah. It's pretty easy. Yeah. So. Like you're always answering your phone. It's like, I, I all like, I enjoy this. If I, I could understand if I didn't like it, it would be a bear, but I'm energized every single day. I get up and work my tail off. Yeah. So Awesome. Well, so. I look forward to following along. Congrats. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Jake. Yep, have a good one. All right, there you guys have it. Hope you guys have a fantastic week. Thanks to Will for taking the time to record all about his strategy to building up to a land purchase and uh, ultimately making a purchase in Kansas. A couple key takeaways that I got that I think are very important. Having cash flow producing assets to help pay for land is a awesome strategy and makes a ton of sense. A little bit more delayed gratification, but nonetheless makes total sense. I'm not going to say I'm going to do it, but I think it is a great idea for anyone that is maybe wanting to work towards that. The other key takeaway that I found very interesting was given his career, he was able to open up his shopping to a huge area that most people aren't able to do that or don't want to do that. I'm someone that's going to want to hunt basically quote unquote in my backyard or within an hour of where I sleep every night. But for someone like him, find the best deal that you can in a six state area. And if you're able to do that, I think you will make a great decision. So anyways, we hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, remember the fuel of this podcast is written reviews. It helps a ton. And until next time, see you guys. We're interviewing Mark Kenyon on the Exodus podcast that'll be going live next week on Tuesday. And other than that, we hope you guys are enjoying all the content that we're producing and we'll wrap it up. See you. Bye.